Hi, this is Charles Maxwood, and I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution, code badges. That's right, you heard me right. Basically, the idea is, is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at codebadge.org. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of my JavaScript story. This week on our panel, we have on our panel. Look what I just did. Okay, I'm gonna leave panel that one. in. I'm gonna leave that in. That that that's totally funny. So yeah, most of the shows are panel shows, but uh, my JavaScript story. We just interview our guest. Our guest is Kevin Griffin. Kevin, do you want to say hi? Hi. Hey everybody. I'm a panel of three. So Kevin, Kevin, and Kevin. Oh, there we go. There we go. Well, we had you on JavaScript Jabber along with your uh, partner in crime whose name is escaping me at the moment. Sean Marin. That's right. And uh, you guys talked about uh, don't, code, don't Code to Live, and we talked a whole lot about like finances and things like that. It was episode 273, and it was back about this time last year. Yeah. We, it's funny. Uh, Sean and I have had these discussions for so long, and being software developers, and you probably see this with all the software developers you talk to, they're we're in this industry where we make so much money. Like we are well off. Even uh -huh. if you're a junior know nothing coming in, you can make yourself a pretty good living just coming in right, right at the beginning of your career. Yep. And I, so much of my career has been talking to people who do not have a good grasp of their money and they're always in debt and they're working paycheck to paycheck. And we're, I don't think we're an industry where that should be a thing. We're too smart. We're paid too well for that sort of thing. We just have to look at our money differently. And that's kind of where Two Frugal Dudes came from was Sean and I had a similar set of, I guess, goals with money and being able to become financially independent. And that turned into uh -huh. a podcast because every good conversation you have should be recorded and right. <laughs> just released out to the public. Nothing should be held back. Yeah, I agree. I uh, that's that's part of the reason why I started the podcast that I did is just again, you know, yeah, we were having these interesting conversations with cool people, and I'm like, we do this at the conferences. We should just do this every week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the other thing is, is you know, uh, I think your example, you know, we make so much money in this industry, and it's just crazy that we, you know, live paycheck to paycheck like you're talking about. Yeah, to me, exactly. That screams that the problem isn't a numbers problem. The, no. the problem is a mindset problem. Absolutely. I teach Financial Peace University at my church. Mm -hmm. And it, we we see people all the time. They just have a different mindset towards money. And it's we're taught it's all about how you're taught about money when you're when you're growing up. And some folks, it's paycheck to paycheck. Some folks are a little bit more affluent. They they look at money differently than uh, folks who probably don't have money growing up. And you just you make a lot of bad decisions when you're that critical age going from high school to college. And that uh -huh. can have a lot of impact on how you pursue um, or how you deal with money moving forward. And I was lucky. I changed my mindset when I was early 20s. And that just kind of set me up for financial independence moving forward. Um, Sean, the same way. A lot of people that we talk to have similar mindsets. And, but 
our class, we have people who are in their 50s and 60s. They come mm-hmm. in and I, I've met couples who have been married longer than I've been alive. And they say they have never been able to put more than maybe $500 in the bank at any one time. Right. And, and it's all mindset. But in nine weeks, we're able to help them get $1,000 in the bank, pay off a couple of credit cards. And, and it's like you said, it's absolutely mindset. Yep. Well, I could geek out on this all day with you, especially since I listen to your show every week. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- this is about you as a developer, not necessarily you as a podcaster. Yeah. Uh, and a, fi- a financial guy. But if we have time at the end, we'll come back to this because I know that some people are interested in these kinds of things. And we're probably due to do another episode on this somewhere. So yeah, absolutely. But yeah, let's let's jump in and let's let's get your story on coding. So okay. How did you get into coding? I was one of these kids that started really young. I I remember the early early nineties. My my dad brought home our first computer. It was a four eighty six Packard Bell, running Windows three one DOS six, all that good stuff. And I wasn't allowed to touch it because it was a very expensive piece of machinery. And my dad didn't want me as like a nine, how old was I? I was probably like nine, nine or so. Uh, I wasn't allowed to touch it because I could break it. And uh, I'm in a military family. So the best, kind of the best part, the bad part about military families is my dad went off the sea for six months and there was no one stopping me from touching the computer. <laughs> so, uh, I grabbed a copy of DOS for Dummies. <laughs> I, just, I, I started reading it. I was just craving information and there was this cool toy in front of me. I wanted to learn how to use it. And I remember reading through DOS for Dummies and I got to a section on QBasic. And there's a paragraph that says, QBasic's a programming language. If you learn how to, how to code, you can write your own programs. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And it mm-hmm. says, type in at the command prompt, uh, QBasic or Q, QB, whatever it was. So I type it in and it just gives you a blue screen. <laughs> there's right. no fancy tutorial that says, here's how we program. Uh, it's just start writing code and you run it. So I ended up reading the help file that comes with QBasic. Uh, I went to the library. I checked out books on programming in mm-hmm. basic. And I taught myself very basic, basic, uh, no pun intended. Uh, right. And, you know, that was kind of the history. I wrote the early, you know, guess my number. Are you hot or cold? Uh, I was really into text adventures at the time as well. So like... Uh, oh, I love those. Like Zork and uh-huh. th- there were a bunch of them. And I tried writing a couple of my own and... It's still a fascinating computer science problem is to write a text parser that understands what you're typing. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, there's a real science and art to that. And so I, I did that for a couple of years. I remember going to school and saying, I'm really interested in programming. I was in middle school at the time and none, no, still elementary school. The librarians, the staff at school have no idea how to help a student like me. Uh-huh. who has expressed an interest in computer programming. Uh, and I remember the librarian, the closest I could get, put me in front of an Apple II, uh, Apple IIe with HyperCard. <laughs> and said, nice. this, is, this is as close as we can get you. And I remember playing around with HyperCard and going, this isn't programming. And just I, I kind of just went home and did my thing. Uh, in middle school, they taught us Logo. And if any of the listeners out there remember Logo, it was the the turtle has a pin on its belly. You can put the pin down or pick the pin up and then yep. tell the turtle how to go around the screen. We did that in and elementary school. 
uh, I have fond memories because I was the yeah. only one who in the class who kind of really picked up on it and go, oh, I know exactly what this is doing. I need the turtle to go all the way forward. That's just a loop. And yep. I, I understood all these concepts. It wasn't really until high school I was able to get into real comp sci computer science classes. And those were still a case where a couple of us students knew way more than the teacher. And we could do two or three days of classwork. And we were done for the year. We were just working on our own projects. And, you know, that led into college and doing a full comp sci degree in college. And then getting into, I worked for Symantec right out of college for about three months. That was an experience. Got laid off. Like my first layoff was my first job (laughs) after three months. Mine too. My first programming job got laid off. Yep. Which I think is a critical like growth skill. You, you just become a different person after you're laid off from a job. And that's what got me into the software developer community because I, I realized that as a commodity, I need to make myself more public to be a little bit more employable. And eventually leaving my, um, the company I eventually went to go work for, a consulting company, mm-hmm. I went off on my own. And that's where I've been ever since. Because I, I understand that there's no such thing as job security. You have to build your own job security. And that's kind of why I've worked for myself for seven, eight years now. Yeah. So long yeah, story short. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. I mean, you're talking about this and that was more or less my experience. I mean, my first, my first job out of college, I was actually running a tech support team. But I picked up programming there. And then my next job was full-time coding. And, you know, it just kind of went from there after that. I was, you know, I was doing Ruby on Rails. But yeah. I would either wind up in a job I loved and after a year I'd get laid off yeah, or I'd wind up in a job that I eventually just couldn't stand anymore and I would leave. And yeah, so I went freelance and it's just been an interesting journey and roller coaster through all that stuff. But yeah, I'm curious. I kind of want to dive in a little bit into what kind of code you've been writing. Um, You know, we we had you on JavaScript Jabber, which is a JavaScript focused show. Uh, do you do JavaScript full-time? I mean, I don't know if we really dug into that when we had you on the show because we were talking about finances and stuff. We really didn't. I, I do JavaScript. I, I sling my semicolons because you should always put semicolons in JavaScript. Uh, <laughs> it does have automatic semicolon insertion. You know that, right? Yeah, I know that's a thing, but use, use semicolons. First. <laughs> I, I just alienated like half your audience. I'm I know, just, right? Uh, Holy war. Now all you have to yeah. do is say use Emacs and you'll alienate the other half. Oh, that's all right. No, I, I, I started uh, VI, so it's still still running somewhere because I can't quit it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't like to pigeonhole myself into a language. Uh, I'm a firm believer that there's a tool, there's a specific tool for every job. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where when I was working at Symantec, we did a lot of C++ because we had to run across multiple... Right types of environments. I was writing code that was running not just on Windows, but also Linux and like AS400s. We, we had to be cross, uh, cross-platform. And when I went to work for a consulting company and uh, they said, do you know C-sharp? And I went, nope, don't know C-sharp. I know it's kind of like C++. I can probably pick it up pretty quickly. And I did. I was committing uh, into the master code base within a week. I just learned C-sharp. Now I'm writing C-sharp. Um, we, I remember back then, that's kind of when I first started doing JavaScript. And this is mm-hmm. mid-2000s. So it's at the point where JavaScript was still kind of a dirty language. 
you didn't want to do JavaScript. You wanted other people to do JavaScript for you and you just pull in their mm -hmm. JavaScript. So this is the early jQuery days. Yeah, and you would reach for jQuery because browsers sucked. Exactly. It's, <laughs> I didn't want to write JavaScript and I didn't want to support browsers uh, that were too old. Um, I think IE, mm -hmm. uh, IE7 was the, the newest browser on, on the block. Netscape, Netscape wasn't really, it was already phasing out by that time. But uh, I remember using components and stuff and they would say, oh, do this, this, and this. Nope, I don't want to do any of that. That, that sounds horrible. Uh, but we wrote some very basic <laughs> web applications with lots of jQuery. And you know, if you're never ashamed of the code that you've written, you've, you've, you've gone too far. I'm ashamed of every line of code I've ever written in the past. <laughs> but, I don't um, know if I'm ashamed, but I, I know better now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I know these uh, the software is still running out there. It's still making this mm -hmm. company money. So it's not bad software. It's just I would not do it the same way all over again. Right. Yeah, towards the end of my career there, I was doing a lot more just, I would say, more raw JavaScript. Uh, we, were, we were realizing that jQuery solves a lot of problems, but it was also adding a lot of bloat. So we're mm -hmm. trying to back ourselves away from bloats. I was a fan of like the early knockout days where we were, what was it, knockout and uh -huh. Ember and yep. these larger frameworks that backbone. would do more backbone. I forgot about backbone. Uh, <laughs> the good but, old days. Yeah. <laughs> but you would pick a framework and it would do 75% of what you needed to do. And then you would have to do the other 25%. Mm -hmm. uh, and you would marry into one of these frameworks and you wouldn't change. And, uh, until you got another project or did a complete rewrite. Right. And we didn't really go away from that because we just, we upgraded. <laughs> we went to Angular and then eventually we went to React and now you have Vue and it's uh -huh. the, we have the same problems today that we did 10, 15 years ago, just different, uh, different libraries and frameworks that help us out. But, uh, you know, my JavaScript career has been more around teaching people, learning from my mistakes and I'll, I'll go out and I'll do training sessions on JavaScript. Uh, we're doing some new stuff around Vue and, and React because the, that's the floodgate right there. You open all these new developers coming in and they need to learn JavaScript in some way, uh -huh. shape, or form. And they know they, know they need to learn a front-end technology. Right. They're not quite sure what, but they know they need to learn something. So it's, how do you indoctrinate them into React or Vue or to Angular? Right. Uh, whatever version it's on. And <laughs> I, yeah, I tell the joke. I started with Angular 2, or we started with Angular 1, and we upgraded to 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I just say them all in a row. <laughs> but, but yeah, we do a ton of JavaScript. We still do a ton of C Sharp. Um, we support older projects. Like I have one project that's still in Visual Basic. Can't stand that project. But it's, uh, we maintain it. We've done a little bit of diving in. We've done some projects in Node. I mean, I'm not against server-side JavaScript at all. Uh, but every project, we look at what tool can we use in the best possible way to solve this project. And I, I remember we went through a startup phase a couple of years ago. And we, we got into the camp of Node solves all the problems. And... <laughs> Uh, I remember that. And then we went, oh my gosh, it introduces so many more problems <laughs> as well. <laughs> and 
But don't get me wrong. We still write a bunch of node in our, yeah. in our consultancy. Nothing wrong with it. It solves a very specific problem for a very specific group of people. And just don't try to pigeonhole every problem into node or into C sharp or into uh, visual basic. There's no problem for visual basic. <laughs> just uh, be open. Like I, I'm currently trying to pick up more um, Elixir. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like exposing myself to new, new technologies because they help you also solve problems in technologies you're very comfortable with. I've picked up tricks in C Sharp from doing JavaScript. I've picked and vice versa because they all do the same thing, yep. just a little bit differently. And you learn a trick here, you can use it over there and so on. It's funny, all the technologies you're mentioning, we have shows on <laughs> JavaScript where we talk a bit about Node. I've thought about doing a Node-specific one, but I don't know. Um, but we also do React, Angular, and Vue. We have shows on all of those and Elixir. Yep. And, uh, you know, a lot of those are up-and-coming technologies. I've had a few people actually say, well, why did you start one on, like, Vue? Because the community is not as big as React yet. Yeah. But I feel like that's where people are coming in now. It's the same thing with Elixir. I think Elixir is kind of an underrepresented technology that I think a lot of, a lot of people are going to wind up moving to in the future as they find that it solves specific needs that they have. Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. All right. So I kind of want to dig in. Are are there particular projects or open source contributions or blog posts or things like that that you're particularly proud of that you've done? Conference talks, any of that stuff? Uh, I, I try to get around to a lot of conferences. I'm... I'm super supportive of open source movement and contributing open source, but I personally don't really have any contributions to uh-huh. anything major. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the guy that sits back and goes, y'all should fix this. And someone goes, we accept pull requests. <laughs> and I go, that's nah, too much effort. Yeah. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just wait till the next release. But uh, I, I am a huge advocate of just teaching everything, you know, yeah. and, I, I will go out to conferences around the country. Um, I run two conferences myself uh, here in Virginia. And it's, I'm a huge advocate of just going out and teaching everything you know. Um, I've just started getting into Twitch streaming, like live programming in, uh-huh. uh, on Twitch. And experimenting with that because I'm seeing some folks kind of doing that for the past year or so. Mm-hmm. And they're having really good responses, just getting the public involved and saying, all right, let's just sit down and let's look at software development in a more raw form because right. a, a, lot of, a lot of newer developers are coming in and they, they think things just happen. So I, I know I've been programming for 15 years. I must know exactly what I'm doing. And that's never the case. Mm-hmm. And on Twitch, we go, all right, uh, start typing, typing, crap. Uh, let me Google this. All right, all right, all right. I know how to do that. All right, let me go fix my code. It's a lot of back and forth between you and Stack Overflow and Google. And eventually, you get working software out of it. And 
when, when I do a conference talk, it's usually Kevin has prepared very specific demos that he knows he can't screw up unless he, <laughs> unless he tries. Uh, so I'll do A and then B and then C and D and so on. And on Twitch, it's, more, it's much more raw. It's the, the yeah. demo that I do in 10 minutes up in front of an audience really took about five hours to develop back at home. Right. Because a whole lot of it was Kevin reading documentation. And uh-huh. we were doing this the other day with Vue. I've done very little Vue. We have a project we're picking up that has Vue uh, at its core. I'm like, let me sit down and start reading some Vue docs and was just slinging some code as as we were writing Vue. And people were interacting with me going, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that was so simple. And um, I think a lot of it's also the context because I've done a lot of Angular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a lot of React. And comparing Vue to the stuff I already know, making the the connections, it's like, again, they all do the same thing, just a little bit differently. Right. and I think that's where that's where true expertise comes in is that you're able to make those connections right and say all right i've I've had previous experience doing something else, but I can bring that experience over here and do something new and it's it's not it's it's all magic when it's done, but there's a process to the magic right and I think that's the real key is being able to show people you know the, this stuff doesn't just happen. It's a lot of cursing at the computer, a lot of Googling, a lot of Stack Overflow, and then eventually it works. Yep. Makes sense. So what are you working on now? I mean, you, you've talked a little bit about you know some of these projects, but is there something that's kind of taking up your time now? Uh, we have a lot of client stuff that we're working on. There's a new, new initiative in the business I own to ramp up some of our public training offerings uh, because I... I get a lot of enjoyment out of just teaching people how to do things. And so we're wrapping up or ramping up a different set of courses. Uh, one of them's on Vue. It's a, we figured we're doing a project on Vue. We're learning Vue. We're learning the hard lessons on Vue. Let's put that into a course and let's go out and let's teach people how, how to do Vue. Um, we're doing a lot of training around uh, .NET and Microsoft technologies. That's mm-hmm. kind of our focus uh, as a company. So stick with what you focus on. And... Right. That's kind of our big public initiative right now is let's ramp up these courses. Uh, there's going to be video courses along with that as well and maybe a couple ebooks. But that's kind of our public initiative is just teach everything we know and you know, all the hard lessons we've learned from the trenches. Makes sense. Yep. Sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm starting to get into the training space, not necessarily like in-person training, but just putting up courses and things. So... Yeah, it's it's interesting to see what's there. I I would love to just get together like a group of people and compare notes. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. And there's so much room for different um perspectives uh-huh. on on a technology. Like um like I could go out and teach a React course and someone will say, Well, Wes Bossari has one. Yes, he does. He has a very good course. But I teach things a little bit differently than West Boss yeah. does. And that might be the, the way I present information might be the way that someone learns. It's if you're out there and you're thinking, well, I should write a blog or I should record videos. You absolutely should because you have to remember your perspective is unique enough that someone might understand or learn something better from you than from all the other stuff that's out there. Yeah. I'll give you one specific example. Back when 
I was doing lots of jQuery and everyone was doing jQuery. I was out doing conference talks on jQuery. And I remember very specifically a person coming up to me and saying, I have read dozens of books on jQuery. I've watched a lot of videos online. I've, I've gone through a lot of jQuery material. But your session talking about X, Y, and Z was the thing that helped it click. And yep. again, it's how you present it. And so that's what we're trying to do. Let's put our perspective out there. Yep. You and I can put out the exact same title presented in different ways. And I hope they buy both of our products. <laughs> but uh, you know, they're going to learn differently from me than they would from you or from anyone else. Yeah. The other thing is, is that it's not just the format. It's not just the how you teach it or how, how you approach it. I mean, sometimes just in that example, you know, if they buy your product and my product, you know, I'll get them part of the way there. And then yours may be the thing that cements it. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, it, there, there are so many ways that people learn that to try and say this is the only way to do it just doesn't make any sense. And sometimes your way and my way are the right way. I don't know how many times I've gone through other people's material on stuff I teach and go, I did not know that, this little trick. Uh, And it just makes my stuff better. It makes me better at what I do. And we all, we're all just learning from each other. We're, we're all imposters. Yeah, that's so true. The other thing that's funny about it is that like I've done a couple of workshops at users groups and stuff. And half the time people come up afterward and they're like, so that trick you did with Visual Studio Code, you know, that's the thing that they pick up out of it. And so it's it's funny to me that, you know, people are just at different places. Everybody kind of comes at it differently. Absolutely. I really enjoy, I, I enjoy the interaction with people as well, because you, once you really kind of understand people for who they are and where they're at, it changes the whole equation. Well, let's talk a little bit about Two Frugal Dudes for a minute. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you were having these conversations with Sean and you decided, hey, you know, the, these conversations are too good to just not record. Um, it, I mean, is that basically it? And so you guys said, oh, let's do a podcast or is there more to it than that? No, that's pretty much it. At the time, he was helping me run uh, my user group here in the area. It's a okay. .NET group. And we were sitting around, and usually what we would do, and I think he talked about this when he was on uh, my JavaScript story, he, we would go out for pie afterwards. And so we would go out for pie, and we were sitting around eating pie, and we were talking about, I think we were talking about retirement accounts. And I forgot what, what the spark was, but he and I realized that we were both pursuing similar, similar goals and financial independence in different ways. And that turned into different conversations about, oh, Sean, what are you doing? Kevin, what are you doing? Because um, I'm taking a different path than he is. And I would learn from him. It's like, like we said mm-hmm. before, just teach everything you know. And I was learning things from him. He was learning things from me. And we were having these great conversations. And it's exactly what, what we had said before. We were having great conversations and great conversations, usually what usually happens is you're talking to someone else and you say, I had this great conversation with Sean about this and that's it. There's no other context that person <laughs> get out of it other than yeah. you had a great conversation. And we said, we should record this and try putting it out as a podcast. Mm-hmm. We sat down, we recorded three or four episodes, 
launched the podcast and the, the rest is history. Um, we've gone through a couple of different formats of show. Uh, we're primarily guest-based right now. We have a guest every week. and But we're now coming back to, well, we have so many people who have been listening to the show since maybe episode 50. And they don't know the old episodes where it's just me and Sean rambling uh-huh. to each other about a topic. So we're trying to pull some of that uh, that concept back in. Right. And But yeah, it's just me and Sean rambling about something. And typically what happens is we'll get on Slack, we'll get on a phone call, and we'll we'll start rambling and stop ourselves and say, this needs to be a podcast. <laughs> and <Yeah>. We'll <laughs> save that idea and we'll record it later. Yeah, I've done that a few times with some of my co-hosts as well. We'll start having a conversation. It's like, you know what? <laughs> hey, record. This, this needs to go on the show, yeah. Or we'll, we also usually have a little bit of uh, pre-call chat, you know, before we start. Same mm-hmm. thing, right? It's like, okay, stop where you are. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And it's, and it's easy to do, right? I mean, we're all interested in the same things. We all want similar outcomes, you know, a similar level of freedom or whatever it is that you're looking for. And so, yeah, I, I totally yeah. get that. We all just want to not work and make lots of money. I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal, isn't it? I want the freedom to do whatever I want, but mm-hmm. not have to worry about the silly things like bills. And yeah. I want to make sure my kids go to a good school and that, they, mm-hmm. that they're taken care of. But I really don't want to work a 40, 50 hour a week in order to achieve that. So what, what can I put into place to, to help set up a framework to, to make all that possible? And I still, I work 30, 40 hour weeks, but I, I have a lot more flexibility in my schedule. Um, mm-hmm. Like this morning, I had to take my middle kid to a doctor's appointment because we forgot about it. Um, <laughs> and we had a house full of kids. But yeah. I have flexibility in my schedule. I can just drop what I'm doing and take my son to a doctor's appointment. Um, there's, it, it's nice to have that that freedom and that flexibility, just to to do what needs to get done or do what you want to do. Yeah, that's a big thing for me too. And and it's it's funny. Just, I mean, I didn't realize how big it was for me until I had it, right? And then I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is, this is important. So yeah, it's it's almost it's too much flexibility because my I love my wife to death, but sometimes I I work in a shed quarters in the backyard, mm-hmm. and she sent me she can send me a text message and go, I really need you right now. So all right, well let me go go in the house and help. But if I was at a job down on the other side of town, yeah. she that's she couldn't do that. I would have to get in a car, or drive twenty minutes home, help, and then drive twenty minutes back. I've lost an hour of my day in just commuting and, and it might not be for anything big, but I don't have flexibility there. And then I have to tell my boss, oh, I have to go home. It's just the stuff you have to deal with. And I don't want to deal with that stuff. It's funny. I tease my so I wife not to. about, you know, occasionally I'll be like, well, maybe I'll just go get a job. <laughs> yeah. I, when I, I first went freelance, it was, she was freaked out that I didn't have a job. But now it's, don't you dare think about getting a job. I, I tell people all the time, if you're interested in going out on your own, remember the worst case scenario is getting a job. Mm-hmm. And the, the skills that I have built as an entrepreneur owning my own business is more than having, it's like having two dozen jobs on a resume. Yeah. I bring way more experience to a job than I would if I had just continued job jumping. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's jump in and do some picks. Do you have some picks for us? Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean. 
the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price to performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do.co slash jabber. You know, I was thinking about it and I the big one I was kind of thinking about has been Twitch. I, I'm really on a Twitch kick right now. And I think uh, anyone out there who is kind of interested in making themselves more public, but they, they don't want to go to user groups, it's hard for them to go to conferences, start doing some live, live coding on Twitch. Mm-hmm. There's a very specific programming channel there that you can, you can set yourself up on. Uh, OBS is a free software you can download. And within 20 minutes, you can broadcast yourself to Twitch. Just work on anything. And a, a couple ideas. If, if you have a favorite open source project, a lot of the more mature open source projects have newbie-friendly uh, issues you can tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Start up Twitch, grab one of those issues, and just try to fix it live. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have maybe two, but maybe 20 or 200 people just pair programming with you. And it's this really cool experience where you just ask a question to the camera and all of a sudden answers start popping up in, in the chat. Um, and it's a really cool experience. I, and I've been, I've been trying to get into it more regularly myself, but I'm starting to recommend this to more people is if you're, if you're out there, you're looking to get just some exposure. Twitch is kind of that new untapped market for software development but if you're playing fortnite and games and stuff it's it's already been blazed that trail's been blazed but if you're doing live coding and you're trying to problem solve just in person try doing it on twitch because there's an audience that's building there and it's kind of a good way to to get yourself out there and get some visibility and in our industry visibility is key if people (laughs) anyone knows who you are in any facet of the industry that helps a lot Yep, absolutely. All right, well, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Well, I am a couple of different places. I'm on Twitter, at one Kev Griff, the number one Kev Griff. I'm also on Twitch, at one Kev Griff. I try to be consistent across all my branding. I have a website, kevgriffin.com. And my company is Swiftkick. That's a S-W-I-F-T-K-I-C-K dot N. So just like a swift kick in that you know what <laughs> nice and then was it you or sean that had written the book on early retirement sean wrote the book on early retirement uh i have a book on twilio <laughs> that if anyone's interested um it's freely available now on my website uh but it's called the twilio blueprint and if you're interested in writing sms or voice based applications um i wrote it was a paid uh, e-product a long, long time ago. I made it free just for, for email addresses. And I guarantee I will probably not spam you because that, that list is just sitting there dormant. Sounds good. Yeah, I recently undormented my email list. So people Everyone are getting goes. bothered by me now. In fact, uh, this week, I'm sending emails around about how to stay current. So yeah, um, if people are interested in that topic, 
yeah, you can go sign up. I'm, I, I guess though this will come out and it'll already be done, but I'll probably recycle those emails. So if you haven't gotten them, you will probably get them later. Um, and I'm, I'm probably also going to put that together as a, an, an email uh, incentive to get on the list. But well, yeah, we, we also, uh, we do the Swift kick show every two weeks. Um, it's like a we- live webinar. We bring on very smart people to talk about what they're passionate about. And usually it's a, like a user group format. They, they do a formal presentation. Uh, but if you go to our website, swiftkick.in, it's free to sign up. And we do one every two weeks. Awesome. So yeah, I, I should do some picks too. One that I had heard about on some of the shows, I think somebody picked it on one of the shows. And so I went and checked it out, is The Expanse TV show. Oh, yeah. And I've been some enjoying Some of the best that. sci-fi I've heard. And uh, yeah, I'm... I mean, I'm only like in the middle of season one. So if you're, if you've watched a few seasons of that, <laughs> you've seen more of it than I have, but I've been enjoying that. And uh, yeah, I'm also going to be checking out Twitch because I kind of want to do some daily-ish stuff. So It's so good for that. It's really nice to sit down and just hit stream, talk for a half an hour and say, okay, see you all tomorrow. Good deal. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up, but... Uh, Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, we'll wrap this one up, folks, and we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.